What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Halftime Snacks podcast. This show features short interviews that you can listen during the halftime of your favorite sports events. Every Tuesday, I host fun conversations with talented people in the sports industry, where we'll learn from their stories, knowledge, and experiences. So go grab your favorite snack and come snack with us. Are you ready? Let's go. time to introduce a massive, massive guest to the Halftime Snacks. Uh, today we have a man who played four years of professional baseball in the Chicago White Sox. And then right after right after the, the bat, and no pun intended, right after the bat, he, um, he jumped into the world of entrepreneur, entrepreneurship. Uh, he founded a company and then he founded another company, uh, which we're going to be talking about a lot today, uh, named Haste Arcade. Uh, Haste is really the world's first instant leaderboard payout system, enabling gamers to get paid for their high scores on virtually any game. The platform also features a software developer kit. This might, this might sound so complicated for you guys, but we're going to get into all of this. Uh, it includes a software developer kit for game developers that wish to add these new incentive mechanisms to their new or existing games. Man, this episode is going to be filled with so many takeaways on crypto blockchain bitcoin and everything in between so ladies and gentlemen allow me to introduce the one and only joe the pinto how are you doing joe welcome to the halftime snacks oh great thanks Ronan. that was an awesome intro you nailed it you got all of it you're hired <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man right off the bat as i said you jumped into the world of entrepreneurship and now you're in the whole world of blockchain with which is a new and emerging you know, area. Gonna get into all of that right before before that. Um, we always kick it off with the fun icebreaker. The one I have for you, which is similar to the one I have for previous professional players that I hosted on the on the on the on the show, is that I want to know what song or artist you used to hear uh, right before games uh, to get you all hyped up and, and pumped. Oh man. So I used to be kind of into like hip hop and whatnot. I'm from Los Angeles, but most of the teams I was playing on in the minor leagues were like in Southern States. And so they would play like country music. So I'd be like listening to <laughs> hip hop or whatever, getting all psyched in the clubhouse. And then we go out onto the field for warm ups, and it's like really slow, like country music is like, Oh, kind of a <laughs> little bit of a downer, but yeah, we, we, we had quite a bit of all that stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. And how, how exactly did you, you got into sports like when when exactly did you decide to have like a professional baseball career or how did that look like yeah i guess when i was a little kid um I, you know i did like most kids played baseball basketball soccer whatever did some music lessons um and i was never like the biggest kid but i, I really enjoyed baseball for some reason thinking back i can't even remember why but it just kind of you know stuck with it i definitely worked really hard and and in high school i kind of realized you know there's an opportunity for me to possibly go to college and do this and i did get that chance and uh you know in college again worked really hard did well and you know there's a chance where i could possibly even play professionally and as a little kid like that's what that's what you dream of so I got that chance. I got drafted out of college. Uh, I never made it to the major leagues. Unfortunately, the highest I got was, was double a, uh, the Birmingham Barons out in Alabama, but still unbelievable experience. I met my, my current business partner through it. And I mean, the places I've traveled because of it, it's, it's something I wouldn't give up for anything. It was really, really cool. And I'm, I'm curious to ask you, you know, because I feel like 
you know, professional or semi-professional players, they all, they all, they always have this thing. They, they always carry this, like, it's not, I don't know if it's like a chip in the shoulder or this like specific mindset that you can only acquire at that level. But I wonder if there are some like lessons or specific like things you learned throughout your career on sports that you use and that you're very certain that you got them there. You use them today in uh, business and entrepreneurship. Dude, I'm gonna need you as like my hype man when I walk into the club, just like giving all this insight <laughs> on me. But yeah, I, I don't know if it's specific <laughs> to, to athletes or whatnot, but I do feel like you know, the competitive nature of the things that I did in, in baseball and the level of training, the level of sacrifice and commitments that you had to have to get to those highest levels. You know, once that career ends and you get into the working world, if, if you're starting your own company, it's the exact same grind. And that's something that my, my co-founder, Dan Wagner and I, we talk about a lot is, you know, baseball prepared us for this, whether it was, you know, having to be at the weight room at five o'clock in the morning while everybody else is hung over from partying the night before, you know, because they don't have to go to practice or anything like that. It, it just teaches you this kind of grind mentality where, you know, you just have to figure out a way to get it done. You have to be willing to put in, you know, hours that some people might not be willing to put in. And I think that translated really well into the first venture that, that Dan and I started, which is called Bar Pay. It has to do with like mobile order and payments and digital menus for bars and restaurants. We started that back in 2015 and it's still going today. But then again, you know, this, this new venture haste and everything we're doing with blockchain, it, it, it definitely translates into, you know, the startup mentality of whatever it takes, got to get it done. You know, there is no set schedule of when you show up to the office and when you leave, it's just, man, there's a list of a million things to do. We got to knock off as many of these as we can today and, and see what, you know, happens tomorrow. Yeah. And, and I think that something that you guys did, uh, you and your partner, which is something that uh, many, many professional players struggle with is what do they do right after their careers, right? Like they, they, they finish, they're probably not getting paid anymore by, by the teams or, or whatever, and they're left out there and they don't really know what to do. You actually, um, you jumped into business uh, immediately um, and started BarPay, as you mentioned. Um, when exactly did you thought about Haste Arcade, uh, which is what, what I want to cover now? When was the, like, the first time like, it crossed your mind um, that this is like something that there's a value gap uh, that needs to like, have this company that uh, fixes that value gap or that feels this need or this pain? What, right. When was exactly the first moment that you thought about it? Um, I mean, specifically, you could say it was January 4th, uh, 2021 was when the actual haste idea was born. But I think even going back further than that, like Dan and I were, were roommates uh, in baseball and we both kind of shared the same mentality of what you were talking about, you know, after sports, what's next? We both knew that we didn't want to stay in baseball, you know, if we didn't make it to the, the major leagues, um, because, you know, in the minor leagues, you don't make any money. You're making like 900 bucks a month. And if you become a coach or a scout or whatever, it's it wasn't really the lifestyle that we wanted. We also knew that we kind of wanted to work for ourselves and didn't really want to do the corporate ladder thing. So we were talking about ideas as roommates. Obviously, we launched bar pay, but then. Through BarPay, we learned a lot about like credit card processing fees. And like I said, that was back in 2015. Well, while we were researching this stuff, we, we came across this thing called Bitcoin. And this is even back in 2014. 2015 was when BarPay like officially launched, but 2014 was when we started plotting it out. So we're learning about this Bitcoin thing where you're getting payments that are, you know, fractions of a cent now instead of two to, to 4%, which is a typical credit card payment. 
where it's like, man, like we should incorporate this into, into this idea. That could be something really cool that no one in the industry has seen before. So that kind of like piqued our interest. It wasn't about, you know, at the time, oh, let's invest in this and get rich. It was just like, wow, this is an amazing technology that, you know, apparently nobody really knows about. What if we could incorporate this? And so over the years, we kept following it. We kept watching it. We saw what started to happen as the price started to go up. And we remember in 2017, when you had all those like ICOs, the initial coin offerings, and people were raising 20 million bucks on an idea and then just like rug pulling and taking people's money. And we're just like, what is going on with this industry? This is completely different than, than the original technology we saw. And that kind of grew into frustration where we saw this, this thing that like we said, was supposed to be about extremely fast transactions and low fees, kind of the narrative changed once the mainstream got a hold of it. And it turned into this thing of, you know, digital gold and you invest in it and the price goes up. And that was never what was appealing to us at first. And, and so as we saw this continue to play out, we're just like, man, like, I feel like people aren't getting it. Like that this, this isn't what Bitcoin is. Like if you want to invest and make money, like that's great. But the actual Bitcoin that, that we originally fell in love with was something that you could use and, and spend really small amounts of. You didn't have to be a multimillionaire to, to create an NFT or something like that. And so it was through that, that in January, we were, we were sitting in the office one night and we're just talking back and forth. It's like, dude, people aren't getting it. Like, what can we do to show people what the original purpose and what you can actually do with this technology? Because one of the questions I would always get is people, you know, They'd known I'd been, you know, talking about Bitcoin since 2014 or 2015 to my friends. And at first they don't listen. And then three years later, they're like, you know, I just don't get it. And I was like, at that point, I didn't get it either. Like, why is this thing that, you know, is expensive and slow now? Why is it going up in value? The thing that I thought was cool was the fast, cheap thing. And so we decided, okay, you know, we can do something to show people what the original purpose of, of this technology was, at least in our opinion. And so we, we built this little game and the idea just came from, if I had a quarter, you know, using the original Bitcoin protocol, which is currently available, it's, it's a blockchain called Bitcoin SV, BSV, which follows the Bitcoin white paper. If, if you're not familiar with what that is, you know, it's the original document that Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever that may be, wrote describing an electronic peer-to-peer cash. And that's the title of the paper. You will not find the word digital gold anywhere in this paper. So we were like, how can we take this quarter and show electronic peer-to-peer cash? We know that we can break it up into a hundred or a thousand different pieces and send it to a thousand of our friends or a hundred of our friends all at the same time. So Dan, who had, he, I mean, props to him. He, he taught himself how to program about two or three years ago. He was messing around on this programming site and he was basically like, okay, you know, I've built out the, the structure of how we can split this thing and send it to our friends. Now, what's the mechanism going to be? And we're just like, well, you know, what's the simplest thing we could think of? And it was just like, you tap a button on a screen as fast as you can. And basically you compare how fast you tap it to your friends. So what we ended up doing was building a leaderboard to keep track of that stuff. So the original concept for Haste was, you know, you pay a penny or a 10th of a penny or 25 cents or whatever to play this game. And the game went like this. The, the screen would go completely blank after you'd hit play. And then sometime within two or three seconds, just a little yellow dot would pop up somewhere on the screen. And the only thing you were trying to do is just tap that dot as fast as you can. And the screen was going to measure how fast you tapped it in milliseconds. So I would play, I tap it, I get 482 milliseconds. I get, you know, number seven on the leaderboard. Okay. There's six people who tapped it faster than me. Well, when I hit play, 
whatever I spent to play that game, whether it was a penny or 10 cents or whatever, that got split. And that got sent to everybody that was already on that leaderboard. So the person that was in first place, they got, you know, 10% of my penny. The person that was in second place got 8% or 9% or whatever. And it worked its way down gradually. But that was the whole point. It's like, look, you know, this is Bitcoin. Like, go go do that with a thing called BTC right now that's, you know, 40,000 bucks or whatever. You can't do it. Like, the fundamentals have been changed um, to, to not allow it to do small payments and fast payments like that. But we built this and it was, you know, a fun little addicting game. All of a sudden, like our friend circles are like, you know, just tapping this thing, texting each other, like, Oh, I just beat your score. Like, haha, you suck, you know, stuff like that. And we're just like, wow, this is really cool. Well, that idea wasn't really, we didn't plan on turning that into anything. We just thought the idea of, you know, sending fractions of a penny around to different people, you know, instantly was really cool. I, a cool concept and what we wanted to show people, you know, Hey, this is a microtransaction in the real world. Like this is it just, you can see it, like you can physically see it. And then a couple people, you know, from this one particular BSV blockchain reached out. They're like, Hey guys, this is a really cool concept. Have you thought about, you know, doing anything else with it? Are you guys going to make more games? Are you going to, you know, try and get other people to submit games and use this leaderboard structure? And we hadn't really thought about it. Obviously we had bar pay at the time. Um, but an article was written by a VC group about a week after we put this first game out, which really made us think like, wow, you know, there's, there's actually something to this. And what they did was they took the game Flappy Birds. Do you remember that? The, the thing yeah. where you fly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they wrote in this article in Flappy Birds heyday, there were roughly like 50 million people playing on a daily basis. And the game developers of Flappy Birds were making about 50,000, $55,000 a day from the ad revenue, right? And so, you know, before you play the game, you see the stupid ad and then you play the game. Well, what we did with our our leaderboard payouts was, you know, the same way that the number one person on the leaderboard would get 10% of, you know, whoever just played, whoever the game developer was, we created, you know, an output for them as well. So the game developer gets 10% of each gameplay as well. So they took our leaderboard payout structure. They said, if the Flappy Bird game developers would have been using ILP instead of ads to generate revenue from the one penny level, they would have been generating over $2.4 million a day in the 50 million, you know, users per day playing, you know, peak heyday of Flappy So when we saw that, it was just like, holy smokes, there is like a serious business model here for game developers. And then they also said, you know, the number one player in Flappy Birds, instead of just getting, you know, kudos or feeling good, like, wow, I'm the best Flappy Birds player in the world. That's cool they would have been making from the number one leaderboard spot about $200,000 uh, a day from, from holding that leaderboard spot. So we saw that and we were like, all right, there's, there's definitely something to this. Let's, let's pursue this. Let's see what we can build out. And that's where, you know, the next couple of things uh, transpired from. So I know that um, you, you know, that it's, there's something that is absolutely disruptive and in, innovative whenever you go on wikipedia and there's still not a wikipedia page explaining what the hell that is and that happened to me when i went on and did some research on instant leaderboard payout which is the structure that you're basically explaining um i I find it fascinating because um with the new technologies as you were you know briefly mentioning before um and what really bitcoin and and the blockchain is all about is being able to uh, use technology to create different dynamics, right? To mix uh, games with payout systems or to mix, you know, specific, you know, 
collectibles with a like a collection with a utility that can only be you know represented from something digital to something on 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 live like on, on person um but i guess that this is like so new this these concepts that we're discussing are so new that even for me it's uh it's very hard to like um understand and even like discuss about it so i i want you to go ahead and tell us a little bit more about what play to earn is uh out there sure. in the world of of uh blockchain and how is that different to the payout payout structure that you guys came up with instant leaderboard payout uh how they are different from each other like or how are they similar if you could share more information sure. on what games can it support or what games is is not that for like Tell us a little bit more like the, the, the framing around play to earn and how uh, ILP lands in that framing. Sure. So I'm still somewhat of a noob, I think, is what maybe the gaming community <laughs> would would call me uh, in terms of, you know, I wasn't a huge gamer per se. I played like FIFA back in the day. I love that game. Um, but in essence, like as I've gone through this process, as we've learned about the gaming industry in general, uh, play to earn as it you know, kind of is right now, or, or the more common play to earn is that you can, you know, you don't necessarily have to pay anything, you can start playing, you can like build up your character. And then, you know, what's going to start happening with NFTs is you'll be able to like sell your character as you increase their attributes. But what also started getting introduced was the notion of like purchasing in-game power-ups. So me personally, let's say we're playing FIFA. I might not be that good. You might be a lot better than me just at face value, but maybe I go and buy the Cristiano Ronaldo cleats. And now all of a sudden, you know, my players that are wearing them have a plus five speed increase. So I all of a sudden have an advantage over you, maybe because I can afford those cleats and you can't. And that's kind of what has started to happen in the gaming industry. And, and a lot of gamers will tell you they're frustrated with the whole quote unquote play to earn thing, because it's really turned more into like pay to win where the people with the most capital can afford, you know, the best upgrades, make their characters better than people who couldn't afford that. So you might be more skilled than me, but because I can spend more money and make my player better just through buying stuff, I'm going to have an advantage over you when we play these games. Mm -hmm. Well, with haste and, and the games that are in the arcade, like that, that wasn't what we were trying to go to. What we were trying to do is just say, you know, this is skill-based, like the best people are going to get the best rewards. And so like our play to earn structure is, and this is a, this is a crypto term, it's proof of work. The more you play our games, the better you should get at them so you can improve your skill with practice. And that's going to give you a better chance to get on a leaderboard and which obviously if you're on a leaderboard, you're going to start uh, earning from being on that position. And I guess to, to address something else you said about the instant leaderboard payouts, uh, I didn't know there wasn't a Wikipedia page yet. That doesn't surprise me because literally, uh, to my knowledge, we invented it. And the only reason we were even able to do that was because of blockchain and and, and very specifically the, the BSV blockchain. Uh, and, and the reason that this thing came about was because you could do those really small payments instantly. That's the notion of the instant leaderboard payout. So what I mean by that is you have your Bitcoin wallet one that we use, you have to have one of these in the arcade. If you want instant leaderboard payouts, it's called Handcash. Uh, and if you want to go download Handcash, my referral is Joey D, J-O-E-Y-D. Just kidding about that. Not really. Um, but anyways, Handcash has these notifications, right? So every time you get a payment, you'll get a ping. So it's like ping, you know, you just receive 0.01 cents from so-and-so. Well, the notion of Bitcoin and how Bitcoin was supposed to work is defined in the white paper is you do get like the transactions instantly. So we call it instant leaderboard payouts just because as soon as someone hits start game, 
So they're sending their payment in, they're sending their quarter in. Literally, as soon as the quarter goes in, it's broken down. And this happens, you know, within a split second, broken down a hundred different ways and sent to a hundred different people that are already on that leaderboard. So if you're on leaderboard, you're getting an instant payout every time someone else plays after you. And it's really cool. Like you make one of these leaderboards when there's a lot of people playing the games, your phone just does not stop buzzing. It's just like, ping, here's half a cent. Ping, here's a cent. Ping, here's half a cent. Like we've had a sometimes like quiet our notifications as cool as it is to just see money coming in. But it's just like, man, like I can't even sleep. My phone's just going bzz, 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 bzz. And that's what, you know, we think is really cool. And, and the use case that we wanted to show for, for Bitcoin and the original, the original protocol. So that's why I think ILPs are something that, you know, could be really cool for the gaming industry, skill-based stuff. The games that we have in the arcade, like I said, are skill-based where we want to take this in the future. You know, you're playing a game like Call of Duty and, you know, you have a headshot leaderboard, something like that. Well, now you have ILPs. So whoever's getting the most headshots, they're getting payouts instantly with every game. It could be, you know, plugged into basically most games that are out there as long as they're skill-based. As long as, of course, I mean, from what I understand, this requires players to actually pay to play. It's, it's a pay to play to earn, right? Correct. And, and that's, you know, that's something where people hear that it's like, oh, do I really want to pay to play this game? Well, if you're paying a tenth of a cent to play, do you really feel that? If you're paying even a penny to play, do you really feel that? And then if you are actually really talented, you can pay up to a hundred bucks or 200 bucks if you want to play and make one of those leaderboards where you're competing against other people that are basically, you know, paying the same amount to play. So the way that we kind of see it in the future is I'm already gaming. I might as well, you know, risk a penny to, to see if I make one of these leaderboards and, and possibly make some money off playing this game. Yeah, I guess that it's, it's also a matter of essentially changing the perspective of, of the cost of the game. You know, FIFA is, is the easiest example because you're paying, I don't know, like 60 bucks or 50 bucks yep. to, to buy the game. They also have, need to have the, the Xbox or the PlayStation, which you also need to pay for. Um, uh, but the, then there's also uh, games on mobiles that you have to pay through to through attention, right? You have yep. you, you mentioned it. Like there's ads that you have to spend like 15 seconds waiting. You know, oh man, I want to play 15 seconds. This is so annoying, right? Like YouTube videos. Um, <laughs> but yep. so as long as long as like you can you can focus that attention on what the cost is to the players. It to be like li like literally this is like less. Like if you monetize your time, probably this would be like cheaper than spending 25 seconds on a YouTube uh, on a on an ad. Right. So it's just also a matter of understanding from a different perspective of what what the cost really is. Absolutely. I think you nailed it. And, and you know, let's take two of those examples. You got the FIFA example, right? You pay 60 bucks up front and then you can play the game for as long as you want. Well, maybe I don't like FIFA. You know, maybe I've never played it before. I spend my 60 bucks because everyone's hyping it up. And then it's like, dang, this game just isn't for me. That actually happened to me. There was this game for some reason. I, I bought like a, you know, open world. I forget what it was called. Um It wasn't like Grand Theft Auto. It was trying to be like Grand Theft Auto, but basically I paid my 60 bucks and two days after starting, I was just like, this is way too complex. Like I, there's no way I'm going to get into this. And I, I literally never played it after that. I was like, dang, I'm out 60 bucks. Whereas if I could have played, you know, per, and this is something about micropayments, you could pay per minute, you could pay per hour, you could pay per day. You can set subscriptions that are, you know, five cents per hour if that's how you wanted to do it. It's not like, you know, the mobile apps where you have to pay 99 cents a month and you got to pay that up front, which even that doesn't sound like a lot, 
But the reason that they can't do it cheaper than that is because of the credit card processing rates. They're not going to process a transaction that's less than a dollar. It's like if you go to a gas station and you know you try to buy something for less than five bucks and they say, oh, we add 30 cents to charges for less than that much. Well, that's because they're trying to cover their credit card processing costs. And that's what we learned through BarPay. So it's like, you know, with these micro payments, you can introduce new business models again for, for the big games like FIFA. And maybe they're selling themselves short by only charging 60 bucks, you know, as a one-time cost. Maybe if it was, you pay 10 cents for every game you play. I mean, I used to play thousands of those games. I got way more value than $60 worth. They would have generated more revenue. And then you've got, you know, the smaller games where it's ad-based. Instead of watching that ad, I get those five seconds back in my life. And all I had to do is spend, you know, half of a penny or a penny. Like that's not a big deal to me. And I think that's where the internet in general should go. I don't think a lot of people right now realize that when they're watching these videos or they're scrolling through Instagram, they think it's free, but really it's not. Instagram is taking yeah. their data and selling it to advertising companies and Instagram is making the money. The people that are scrolling aren't making the money, even though they're the products. Like it's, it's, it's right. backwards. So yeah, I think, I think that, you know, this whole micropayment pay to, to play, to earn notion, I think that could be something that a lot of people like in the future. Cause you don't have the advertisements and you don't have the big upfront costs. It's just, if I enjoy this game, I'll keep playing. If I don't, I came out of pocket, you know, 20 cents, big deal. Yeah. And I also like, feel like there's tons of positive things around that. Like the whole like network effects, right. If all my players are playing it and earning from it, like I, I would want to be there, you know, just because of the social, uh, you know, need to be where everyone is, especially for like young kids and, and, people like right like in high school or college i feel like that's a very specific niche and from the side of like microtransactions micropayments that you mentioned me coming from like a financial bike background and working at the, at the stock exchange i can say that's going to change like everything because uh, like i remember seeing this like uh this app i don't remember which one on DeFi on the decentralized finance where you can literally literally see your apy or APR uh, return, your interest that is, is being generated every second. So you start seeing how exactly you're getting returns from your yep. from your stake, which you don't really have in traditional finance, right? You, yep. you put a uh, hundred thousand dollars in, and you, you you're getting six percent. So you have to you know go back and do the calculations how much you, yep. you, how much you're gonna get uh, each day or how much you're gonna get each month. So that's like I feel I feel like in terms of like perspective uh, perspective as we were discussing, uh, micropayments are gonna be really uh, there to not only solve different dynamics, as we were mentioning, between esports and crypto and uh, other projects, that you can, you're also going to be able to see the benefits instantly. And I think that yep. that is underrated. Like I, I, I am with you in that, in that side. Is there any other ways that you see the whole NFT space, which is now very hyped up, and probably is going through the like that same 2007 yep. moment that Bitcoin went through? That you, you you just talked about. Uh, how do you see that that space really um, getting incorporated into what, what you guys are building, or what uh, the, the mixture of that uh, esports micropayments yep. uh, space can have potential for? What do you see there happening? I I definitely see NFTs becoming a part of daily life. I don't think that it's just meant to be you know JPEGs that people are selling for a lot of money. To be honest, I think that, you know, that was a very good use to, to kind of break the world into NFTs, digital art. That makes a lot of sense. But I think that people are only starting to scratch the surface on what NFTs will actually be. And, and what I mean by that is this. I think in the future, 
I would imagine that basically everything is going to be an NFT. So for example, this interview, right? Like we're, we're on this podcast you will mint NFTs for specific podcast spots and people will go and purchase those NFTs. They might not even want to go on, but now I'm like, wow, I know that Halftime Snacks is going to be a really cool podcast. I want to purchase 10 of these spots up front. So you as the minter are getting upfront liquidity. I now can hold on to these and I can either redeem them and use them myself. So I'm getting value out of that. Or as this podcast grows in popularity, People are going to be like, wow, like the only way to get on this is by owning one of these NFTs. I have to go buy one of them from, from Joe. Well, now I can sell that NFT for whatever price the market you know, is dictating. And then you obviously for creating it, you're going to get a kickback. You're going to get the royalty for every you know, second sale. So I think that you know, people are, are going to start seeing more and more utility from NFTs as opposed to just this notion of you, know, you buy them for the clout. So you can say, oh, I own this $1.4 million Ethereum rock, like whatever the heck that is. I don't know. But I think that there's going to be a lot of use cases that people, you know, don't realize yet for NFTs. And for example, like something that we've done in the arcade, you can mint what's called a player card. So this came from, you know, Dan and my background in baseball. We had our own player cards and we thought it was cool if, if gamers would have something similar. So if you mint your own player card, it does a couple of things. It has utility to the point where you get early access to new games. So you have more chance to practice ahead of time, get on these leaderboards. But it also built into the specific NFT has the ability to send an output of every one of my gameplays. So if I spend 10 cents on a gameplay, 10% of that is going to whoever owns my player card NFT. So if I own it, I'm basically getting a 10% discount. But if I want to sell my player card and someone on the market wants to buy it, they now are going to get 10% of all of my gameplays. So I might not be very good at esports. I might not be good at gaming, but I really like this whole concept. I might go buy a bunch of people's player cards. And now I'm getting outputs from these people's gameplays because I hold their player card NFTs. So that has nothing to do with JPEGs, nothing to do with art. That's just utility where you're seeing an NFT actually used for, for a real purpose. And so, you know, that's the type of things that we're trying to do with Haste in general is let's show the utility side of blockchain more than just the speculation and, you know, the stuff that people are just kind of hyping. Cause that's, you know, in our opinion, that was not really the point of, of Bitcoin originally. So that's kind of what we're focused on. It's really exciting to, to see how many things, new things are being enabled by all these new technology platforms like yours, uh, Joe. It's been super fascinating to hear and learn from you and from your experiences. I mean that it's it's so short, right? 2021, January, it's it's a year and less than a year than a, and a half. And there's already so much, so much. And I know that in a year, it's going to be like probably totally different. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it sounds super fascinating and exciting. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. Um, last, last question before we go, I always, uh, throw in a personal, more personal question to get to know the guests more, more closely. Uh, what's the kindest thing that someone has ever done for you, Joe? Wow. The kindest thing that someone has ever done for me. I mean, the, this is definitely not it, but what comes to mind right now is I have, uh, some friends out here. I, I live in Los Angeles and just started surfing a couple of years ago. Uh, and that's really like outside of work, the only thing that I think about. And one of my friends one time let me like take this really, really good wave. And it was like one of the best waves <laughs> of my life. But I still like remember it and can can think about it on a daily basis. So I guess in, in the most recent future or the most recent past, that would that's what comes to mind. Other than that, I mean, my my family in general, like they've been unbelievably supportive to me in anything. And, you know, crazy ideas like wanting to play professional baseball or wanting to start companies just 
my friends and family have, have always been a really great support system for me. And um, I probably don't tell them thank you enough, but you know, in terms of like a specific kind act, I think it's just in general, like, like what they've done for me my entire life. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you enjoy this episode, hit the subscribe button and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy learning about the business and technology behind sports, make sure you subscribe to the Sports Tech Biz newsletter. I'll leave the link in the show notes. See you all next week. Bye-bye.